No Bull. Powered by Earnhardt Auto Centers. For a premier destination near you, head to nobull.com. Here's Chris, Crespin, and Simone. And welcome in to the Monday edition, the first edition of 2021 of Noble with Chris, Crespin, and Simone. Minus the Jordan Simone, Chris Schubert, and Crespin with you here on a Monday, our first episode of 2021. We did Noble Live yesterday, Sean, a little Sunday show, but this, the first podcast episode of 2021, should be a lot of fun. Big year ahead for this program. Sean, I'm going to waste little time. There is so much football things to discuss from the Cardinals yesterday to things that are happening while we're recording the podcast. So please, I'm not even going to give you pleasantries, say how are you, none of that. Give me the in the lead. Let's move this train along. This is the one they're talking about. See how long we can get into the show before Sean says an actual word. In the lead topic number one on the program, it is that day after the end of the regular season known in NFL circles as Black Monday when a lot of coaches no longer have jobs. Teams move on from their head coaches. Three, Sean, three coaches, one yesterday, Two happening today, the New York Jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Los Angeles Chargers, three teams that have decided to join the lists of the Lions, the Falcons, and the Texans as they will be searching for new head coaches. Those six teams, as of this moment, as we record this show, they will be the team searching for new head coaches in 2021. Yeah, the, the two two of the three we had already heard news on over the weekend, right? With Two of the three we knew... That being the Jets and the Jags, we're, we're ready to move on after Week 17. And, and yesterday on the Noble Live program, which you can you can get every Sunday on uh, Facebook and YouTube that you and I record, um, we threw out who we thought might be the coach that isn't being discussed right now, but we could see maybe getting a change. And I threw out Anthony Linus, who I brought up. There are just seven different games that the Chargers have lost this year by one score or less. Some of those coming down to just coaching decisions and situational unawareness. And, you know, you've got the quarterback now. Everything, whenever you find your franchise quarterback, expectations get brought. It's like you move light years ahead in terms of your expectations and where you should be as soon as you find that franchise quarterback. The Chargers have that quarterback. They now want to make sure that they have the head coach in place as well, that they feel is going to be able to to, to uh, get the most out of that young quarterback and push this team forward. And Listen, Anthony Lynn, I think, is a good head coach. If you watched Hard Knocks this year, he's a hard guy not to root for as well. Um, but he's uh, the Chargers obviously feel as if the situational awareness, the lack of, of being able to close anything out is just too much, and they're, they're looking to move on. So, there's three. Usually we end up, I think the average is always around five or six per year. So there might be another one coming. You know, this is always a bad day for head coaches in the NFL. Um, coach Lynn is a good coach, though. He'll, he'll, he'll land on his feet somewhere. Sean, two of the teams that we mentioned on this list, the Jets and the Texans, their former coaches are coming up in the news because apparently Nick Saban is looking at them to fill the offensive coordinator vacancy in Alabama. That would be Adam Gase and Bill O'Brien, both of those guys on the short list for Nick Saban in Alabama. And just another example, Sean, of Alabama and that offensive coordinator position becoming the rehabilitation process for coaches who failed in the college and the pro ranks. They go there, they coach Alabama, and then all of a sudden you're like Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, you're getting big-time college programs, Old Miss in Texas, just to name a few examples. Yeah, I mean, you in our pre-show meeting said, um, is this falling forward? Is that what you said? How, how did you put I said it? falling upward for falling Adam Gates. Upwards. To go from I, the Jets 
to being the offensive coordinator at Alabama, no, where he's going to be praised for when they do good things. But it's not. Spread. Like being a head coach in the National Football League to being a coordinator in the college ranks is not falling upwards. Um, this is still somebody who's who I'm sure today hurt, you know? And, and yeah, you if, if you land that job with Alabama, is it a bad place to land? No. But is it the head coach? Is it a head coaching position in the National Football League? No, it is. It is not. So it, it wouldn't be falling upwards. But listen, both those guys got a job as a head coach in the NFL for a reason. Both are considered to be you know, very, very good offensive minds in the game of football, and that's why they're being considered for Alabama. So not surprising. And I know people will make their jokes based on how things have played out in the NFL. Uh, but either of them would be a good hire for, for Nick Saban and, and Alabama. Both very good offensive minds. You don't get the positions that they did without being, you know, well, there's one coach we're going to talk about that didn't have to prove his stripes in the National Football League to get the, a head hmm. coaching position. We'll get to that hmm. in just Who's a few that? minutes. Who would that uh, guy be, Sean? But most of the time, you're a pretty good offensive mind if you get the position that Adam Gase has had, that Bill O'Brien has had. So those are very, very quality coaches that, again, might be joining Nick Saban's staff. I have another college-related story, Sean, that I want to get your reaction to. We learned early this morning that the entire 2021 NCAA tournament looks like it's going to be held in Indianapolis. And they, they've released some, some, some stories that have come out about the different places that they're going to host these games at. And listen, I understand we live in a weird time right now in 2021. At least for a good portion of it, it's going to be just as weird and, and troubling as 2020 was. But this is an interesting concept since we didn't have an NCAA tournament in 2020. To be able to go down this road of planning out what this is going to look like, I'm highly intrigued by this idea. Um, I, you know, we in the media haven't had an opportunity to go down that road. Um, but I, this is this is something that I think we all expected, right? It was an idea that was floated around a few months ago. I'm sure it's laid out very well. Um, it's the only it's the only decision to make. If for the NCAA, you saw the success that the NBA had in Orlando, right? Not a single positive test. Um, they were able to get through their their postseason tournament and spend three months there. This is the only decision to make if you're the NCAA. You lost over three hundred million dollars last year by not having an NCAA tournament. There is no way that the NCAA and their their members can afford to lose that type of money in consecutive years. So you have to do everything you can to make sure that the tournament does happen. If that means moving it entirely to Indiana, so be it. And it's probably the right decision. Now, the scheduling, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> but the, the, the decision to be made is, is the right one for sure. Yeah, that, that part of it, the logistics part of the scheduling is going to be fun to see. But I mm -hmm. think you're right, Sean. This is the only way that I think you're going to be able to have a conclusion to your 2020-2021 college basketball season, right? I think if you try to go with the way that they normally do it and have these regions, I just think you're going to run into too, too much trouble. Whereas I think here you can create that pseudo-bubble environment and not add in different elements of risk, right? Travel, different cities that become different hotspots, right? You're dealing with one city at this point. So if Indianapolis at that point isn't as big of a hotspot as the rest of the country when it comes to COVID, then okay, you're not dealing with people. It just it creates a better environment to be able to pull this off. Now, does it mean it's not going to come with its fair share of challenges and potential pitfalls? No. I think as we've seen in 2020, 
there are pitfalls to all of this. The NFL got to their 256 games played, but it was a roller coaster ride to get there. They had to adjust. The NCAA will have to do the same. That is it, Chunk. That is all I have in the lead. No 60 seconds of Quick baseball one. to kick okay. off 2021. Uh, we'll save 60 seconds of baseball for later in the week. I can already tell you that there are probably some things that are going to be happening later in the week uh, that we can discuss. The Padres might be making another move. So uh, Twitter will let me know, and then we can have a 60 seconds of baseball. But coming up next on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone, it was win, and they were in for the Arizona Cardinals, but it didn't get off to a very good start, and they are sitting at home in the postseason. We'll get into it next here on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. But first, got to tell you about our proud partners at Earnhardt Auto Centers, locally owned and operated since 1951, 19 different Arizona locations, 21 dealerships, and 17 brands. So anything you've got your eye on, go to nobull.com, and Earnhardt Auto Centers is going to have you covered. And obviously, during the times of social distancing, the Noble Express option is perfect for what we're going through right now. Uh, they're going to bring a car to your front door for you to test drive if you'd like to. You can fill out the financial application right there online at nobull.com under the Noble Express option as well. And then once the purchasing process is over, they're going to bring your brand new ride right to your front door as well. You don't even have to leave the comfort of your own home to experience the Earnhardt difference. Earnhardt, it's a name you know you can trust. 69-year commitment from their family to yours. If you've lived in the Valley for any amount of time, you know Earnhardt. You know it's a name you can trust. Nobull.com and Earnhardt Auto Centers. That ain't no bull. It was an 8-8 eight and eight finish to the season for the Arizona Cardinals and a loss to the Rams yesterday. Leave them on the outside looking in. They will not be participating in the NFL playoffs starting this upcoming weekend with what is now being referred to as Super Wild Card Weekend. Sean, I didn't know that we were adding the Super it. part to it. Because Let me ask we've you added this. The extra game Let me on ask you days. this. Yes, go ahead. Yes. Will you be tuning in to see what the Nickelodeon version is all about? It's the you Bears game. The look, it's the right? Bears game you on to, Sunday. I got to see what they – I mean, come on. You got to know. Yeah. Just for maybe five minutes. I got to see what they're going to do. But yes, super wild card weekend coming up uh, this weekend for the NFL wild card round of the playoffs. And, and Sean, I, I'll be completely transparent with you, the listeners of this program. I don't know where to start with this Arizona Cardinal team when it comes to dissecting the game yesterday. And then I think bigger picture, the game at large. There is the fact that a John Walford-led Rams team beat you uh, to knock you out of the postseason. There's the Kyler Murray dynamic of this. He comes back into the game late after getting hurt. Why didn't he come back into the game earlier? There's there's so much to discuss there. The big picture is Cliff in over his head. Are the last two weeks more examples of that? So, Sean, I know this doesn't make for great radio, but I'm going to throw it up to you here and say, where do you want to start? W which one of these topics do you think is the great starting point for this conversation? I think the, the the biggest starting point is you know Cliff Kingsbury and where you go from here if you're the Arizona Cardinals. Now I you know I'm rule of thumb three year guy. Like I give, give somebody yep. give somebody three years to figure something out and get yep. on the you know get get on the right the right page. Get everything you know everything you want in place and go from there. Um, but I mean we we've we've talked about this in the past, Chris. Make no bones about it. You were brought in to be Sean McVay. And you were brought in to be Kyle Shanahan. You have been anything but those two guys through two years. Your record against winning teams is awful. You know, you're you've you've right now you're you're being out coached in a lot of different ways. And that was put on display the last two weeks when you had those two coaches I just mentioned 
beat you with a backup quarterback in back-to-back weeks when you had the opportunity to punch your ticket to the postseason and couldn't get it done. I think the only place to start in the conversation about yesterday's game is with the head coach and going forward, how much confidence do you have in him in getting the job done for the Arizona Cardinals? Because I sit here today not having an awful lot. Well, and and I think where you took us is a great place because they the Cardinals yesterday in that football game had to go to their backup quarterback because of an injury to Kyler Murray, right? Chris Streivler had to come into that football game for this team to try to will them to the postseason. And I think to use Kyler Murray's injury as an excuse for the reason why the Cardinals didn't win that game yesterday and the reason why the Cardinals aren't in the playoffs, I think is missing the point of why Cliff Kingsbury was hired. And you mentioned it, Sean. Cliff Kingsbury was hired to be Kyle Shanahan, to be Sean McVay. And the last two weeks... Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay showed they could do something that you couldn't do with your season on the line, and that is take their non-starting quarterback, in the 49ers' case, probably their third string in C.J. Beathard. Uh, in, you know, in L.A.'s case, Sean Wolford was their backup quarterback, and take those guys, scheme it up, put together a plan that allows them to win the football games because, Sean, stop me if you disagree, but the Cardinals, each of the last two weeks, have been the more talented football team on the field, for whatever reasons that might be, mainly due to injury to both the Rams and the 49ers and due to COVID issues. But when they step foot on the field, the Cardinals, talent-wise, had advantages in a lot of spots. Offensively, they couldn't yes. Okay, defensively, I, I would agree the Rams are probably a, a more superior team. But you, yes. you did hold them to 18 points in that football game yesterday, and they, only scored, they, they didn't even score an offensive touchdown in that game. So I, I think when you look at this, Yesterday's game, I think more than any game we've talked about this year, is an example of why Cliff Kingsbury isn't what the Cardinals want him to be, expect him to be, and is not what they hired him for. When you look at what Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are, Cliff Kingsbury yesterday failed to meet that expectation, and I don't think he ever meets it. I think yesterday is the perfect example of it. Again, I don't mean ever meets it. I don't know. Who knows? Right now, not even close. Not even close. Not even close. Uh, yesterday, Cam Akers uh, was the the running back for the Rams. You have Kenyon Drake, who you would think advantage Cardinals there. Uh, you have DeAndre Hopkins. And if you just scroll down the entire roster of the Rams – you have advantage there as well. So, yeah, you're right. You're not wrong. Uh, weapons. Well, weapons maybe those Rams wide receivers don't pick up stupid 15-yard penalties. Well, but weapons, you know, hey, weapons wise, you, you've ed- edge Arizona Cardinals. So what's the difference offensively? Why was John Wolford, a quarterback who's never taken an NFL snap, able to go 22 of 38 for 231 yards? Uh, had the one interception to start the game, and after that looked very comfortable. And I think a lot of that had to do with the play calling. And the way Sean McVay played into his quarterback's strengths to make him feel more comfortable. That wasn't done for Strebler. It just it just wasn't. He never looked comfortable. And there's a reason why Kyler Murray felt the need to, once the pain medicine, in his words, once everything kicked in, he felt okay. Yeah. Once he, everything kicked in, don't get into specifics, Sean. Yes, okay? We he, don't know. He felt the need to get back out on the football field the way the, he did. The tape. A lot of it, yeah, exactly. A lot of that has to do with the coaching. A lot of that has to do with the play calling. And and again, it's just another example of, of 
you know, I said Cardinals had the edge at running back and at wide receiver and at weapons offensively. It's clear who has the edge at coaching the last two weeks. It's the 49ers and the Rams, and those two teams aren't going anywhere right there in your own division next year as well. So, you know, I come back to my original point. How much confidence do you have in this football team moving forward? As we always try to look forward, you know, when we talk about these things, uh, not a whole hell of a lot, I'll tell you that much. Well, you lose five of your last seven. Right, you're you're sitting in a position to make the postseason. You're sitting in a spot where you kind of control your own destiny, and you yourself give it away over the last seven weeks of the season. It's it's extremely disappointing, and I don't want to hear this whole oh the expectations change throughout the year. Okay, so the expectation expectations change throughout the year. That's how sports work, folks. When you start the way that this team did, and you look as good as they did. Your expectations are going to change. And then to fall on your face the way that they did the last part of the season, specifically the last two weeks, where basically, Sean, all you had to do was win one of the two games against C.J. Beathard or John Walford, and you are in the postseason, and you can't get that done. It, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. And I think it puts, it puts Cliff Kingsbury squarely atop hot seat lists for next season. He should be in the consideration to be on that list. You're talking about going into year three? Okay, that's fine. He's coming back for year three, but he's on that list. You got it. You have to make more improvements. You have to make the postseason. You cannot be this behind everybody else in your division. No, you can't. And you got to find a way to beat good teams. You know, we talked about this last week as well, just how improved are the Arizona Cardinals. Well, you know, you had a significantly easier schedule this year than you did last year. Things broke your way. Um, but you're still three and twelve under Cliff Kingsbury against winning teams. You got to find a way to beat winning teams, especially if you're in the NFC West like the Cardinals are. Because I hate to break this to you, folks. Next year, Seattle's going to come back and be expected to win more than eight football games. The Rams are going to come back and be expected to win more than eight football games. And the 49ers, once they get healthy, I think next year if they come back with a full complement. Uh, of of players to at their disposal, they're they're going to be expected to be a winning football team next year as well. So you're seeing three teams within your own division, who are 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 going to be, uh, they're going to have expectations of being a winning football team. And your your record against such teams is just three and twelve under Cliff Kingsbury. That's that's just not good enough. The Arizona Cardinals have to find a way to win games against good football teams. I mean, they're two and four against winning teams this year. And those two games, one came in overtime against Seattle. That was when Seattle was really trying to figure out who they were with a banged-up defense. And then you had the the Hail Mary. Excuse me, the Hail, Hail Murray. Murray sorry. Please. The Hail, Hail Murray. Murray to beat the Bills. Those are your two wins against winning teams. Very easily could have gone the other way. So, you know, this team has to find a way to beat quality opponents before I'll ever take you serious. You know, where? how do you do that? Where do you begin to put yourself in a position to do just that? From what I've seen this year, it's not a talent situation. It's a very, it's a, it very much so comes down to coaching and situational awareness at times, uh, which, which right now points straight to the head coach, straight to the guy that I, you had high hopes for, and has yet to meet those those expectations. And that's that's Cliff Kingsbury. I do want to finish this conversation by talking about the decision-making and the ultimate end result of Kyler Murray coming out of that game, getting all the treatment, going into the locker room, coming back out, going to the blue tent, going back in, coming back out, trying to test it on the sidelines, and then ultimately in the fourth quarter coming back into this game. Because, because Sean, we talk a lot about the leadership of, of Cliff Kingsbury as a coach, right? We talk about that side of it, and we also talk about the execution from a gameplay standpoint, right? 
And I'm confused on so many different levels. So was the broadcast, by the way. So this isn't just me trying to pick on Cliff Kingsbury. The broadcast was also confused as to how the decision was made for Kyler to come back into this football game. Strevler didn't know what was going on. Tracy Wolfson during the game said he was looking around with his helmet in his hand like, am I going back into the game? There was confusion on the sidelines. There was confusion with Cliff, with with everybody involved. And Sean, you, you can't win football games with that kind of confusion going on on the sidelines. You just can't. How much confusion was actually on the side? See, I don't want to go there because I don't know how much confusion actually was on the sideline. Every time they showed a shot of Kyler Murray from the really from the injury on he was either walking to or from the locker room or in the back area of the sideline warming up keeping his arm warm they then showed a shot of kyler murray i don't know if you caught this sitting on the sitting on the bench looking at the tablet and i thought to myself that's somebody that's getting ready to go in uh and sure enough the next drive he did go in so, you know, and Cliff Kingsbury after the game was asked, you know, whose decision was it to put Kyler back in? And, and Cliff says, ultimately, it was Kyler's. But if you listen to the entire clip, it sounds like he obviously knew who was going in. And furthermore, once he is in the football game, um, you know who's in there. So why in the world are you calling RPOs and rolling the oh, yeah, quarterback out? Yep. Like that, to me, the, 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 the some of the play calling, once Kyler did go back into the game, um, were a little bit... I would questionable as well. You know, when you call an RPO and you you're more than likely quarterback's reads are look for the quick slant if it's there take it, if not I'm then running a read option if the defensive end crashes down on the running back. Now, I have to keep it. And you had a quarterback with a banged up ankle and and unfortunately we saw that that was just the case and he couldn't do anything about it. So there's just so many things that are disappointing about that football game yesterday from you know, the fact that it, much like the entire season, a lot of things were kind of handed to you in your favor and you just, you just kind of didn't take it, you know, it was right there for you yep. and you didn't take it. And I understand that losing Kyler the way you did in the first drive is a setback. I understand that man, but you still had the more talented offense on the field. You still had a team that was reeling in the Rams and they looked like the team at times that wanted it more, that was more prepared and you just didn't you didn't take advantage of a situation that was in your favor yet again. And it's just so disappointing. We can go down the road of why was Strebler even the quarterback? Where was Hunley? You know, he hasn't been available. You haven't had him in as a as a as a the backup to Kyler all year. So why would we expect him to be this week? Um, you know, to the play calling, to just I mean, there's so many things that are frustrating about this loss for the Arizona Cardinals yesterday. But ultimately it boils down to much like the entire season schedule. Much like all the different backup quarterbacks you were able to face this year, much like the entire thing, it was kind of handed to you in your favor, and you didn't take it. Yesterday was kind of a microcosm of the entire season. It, it certainly was, and we saw it play out over the four quarters. And I just to make it clear, I, we don't know what went on on the sidelines, but the fact that the broadcast took time out of the out of the game to discuss the the confusion that was was on the sideline, I think is just another example of. The, the the overwhelmingness that sometimes a coach might face, right? There's a lot of things going on at one time. You're making all of these decisions. And sometimes, as we've seen with some game management decisions, Cliff just looks in over his head. And I wonder if we start to learn more about the decision-making process that went into Kyler coming back into this game, if it doesn't bear out that 
same thing kind of happened here, that he was in over his head. He was 6,000 things going on on the sidelines, and just it was all confusion. People weren't talking. It was miscommunication. But ultimately, like you said, Sean, this team was handed an opportunity, no matter what, to go to the postseason and uh, kind of gift wrap for them, and they didn't make it happen. All right, we kick off 2021 with a not-so-rapid rundown. We do it next here on Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at Manscaped, and they want to wish you a happy new year. Listen, 2021, we start with all of our New Year's resolutions. Why not make your grooming routines part of those resolutions? Step in to 2021 uh, with your tree standing taller and shave your boys. Manscaped here to give you a New Year's resolution that you'll actually want to keep. The perfect package 3.0, below the waist grooming package you'll need to start the year off strong. The lawnmower 3.0, the waterproof skin safe trimmer. Uh, the the LED light, Sean, please give the people what they want. Show that LED Look light. Thank you very thing. much. Mm-hmm. You also, in the Perfect Package 3.0, get the Crop Preserver, the anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You have the Crop Reviver, the ball toner spray. So start the new year with a fresh set of testes, thanks to Manscaped. And because they are partnered with us, you're going to get a great deal. So go to manscaped.com, use the promo code NOBULL, and you will get 20% off and free shipping. That's manscaped.com. Use the promo code NOBULL, and you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Your balls will thank you. Sean, we were just talking about New Year's resolutions there with Manscaped. My New Year's resolution for this show is that we do the not-so-rapid rundown in a rapid fashion. What do you think? But then we have to change the name back to Rapid Rundown instead of Not-So-Rapid Rundown because we changed it to Not-So-Rapid Rundown because I have way too many thoughts about everything NFL to fit it into just a quick segment. You know, like, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Colin Cowherd. He plays the three-word game where he can wrap up a game in yeah. three words. You I don't have You can't do that. I don't no. have that ability. So this is going to stay no. the not-so-rapid rundown. But let's do it. Let's run down it. Schubert, what do we got? I'll, I'll tell you what. I think we have a good chance because both of our teams aren't on the list this week. So okay. we will start with the game in the AFC East that had tons of playoff implications for both teams, yet somebody forgot to tell the Miami Dolphins that the Bills beat the Dolphins 56-26, to Sean. And because of that loss by the Dolphins and some other games that we'll get to, the Miami Dolphins, they are that team. We said one team with 10 wins or more is going to miss the playoffs in the AFC. It is the Miami Dolphins. They are that team. Yeah, but listen, don't hang your heads if you're the if you're the Miami Dolphins. You've got something brewing there, man. That defense is absolutely legit. You have found the head coach. I still have my questions about Tua, but he'll definitely be the guy going forward, obviously, uh, for at least next year, and we'll see how it, how it pans out. But that's a pretty good football team in Miami. Don't hang your heads if you're the Dolphins right now. The problem is that Buffalo Bills team is an absolute juggernaut right now. This is a team that we, we talked about it earlier. You want to be playing, or a couple podcasts ago, I should say, about playing your best football when it really matters, playing your best football in December. Um, you know, and not backing into the playoffs. This Buffalo Bills team is doing anything but that. 13-3 and three now. Josh Allen playing maybe some of the best football of anybody in the league, not named Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, and that's even arguable. This is a really, really good football team in the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, the Dolphins unfortunately ran up against their division rival in Week 17 when they had to have one, but that Bills team is playing really good football right now. Take nothing away from them. Sean, on Noble Live yesterday on the Sunday show, we played the game in or out with mm-hmm. playoff teams uh, yeah. that were on the bubble in the AFC and in the NFC. We said, hey, g- given that this is their scenario, are they in or out? And we, when we talked about the Browns, 
you decided to go down the very convoluted path of them not beating the Steelers, but getting in because of other things. They must have heard you and they said, Sean, we got you, no big deal. We're just going to beat the Steelers, make it easy. We don't even have to play these games. They beat the Steelers 24-22. to They are going to the postseason for the first time since 2002. Did you? Baker, Baker, the touchdown maker. Did you just say make it easy? You realize that Pittsburgh had an opportunity at a two-point conversion to tie that football game and send the well, damn thing to overtime, right? Make it easy. The game, that they're going to have to do some scoreboard watching. They just took care of their business. That game, a coaster ride. that game played out almost exactly like I expected it to play out. You know, it's a division rivals. It's a it's a it's a team in Pittsburgh that has kind of owned the Cleveland Browns as of late. Not even as of late. For a long ass time, the Steelers have owned the Cleveland Browns, uh, and. and the game never should have been that close. I think Pittsburgh was down two scores late, and they had a fourth down touchdown, and they had a couple of other big plays from Mason Rudolph. You call Baker the touchdown maker. Hit, hit all of his 20, 17 of 27 for 196 yards and a touchdown. Give Mason, put some respect on Mason Rudolph, Schubert. 22 of 39, 315, two touchdowns. Big fourth down touchdown pass. Put some respect on his name. Right. Having a helmet thrown at his head the last time he played against the Browns. Right. And he shows up and balls out and puts him in a position to win a football game. Put some respect on Mason Rudolph's name, would you? Uh, but no, listen. Fine. Uh, fine. I, uh, make it No, no, fine. You want respect? Make him your manscaped full-grown man soon in the next second. Fine. Then. Can't Go do there. it. Can't do it. There's a man that you know I've been... I've had his back, and I've saluted him a hand time, handful of times on the manscaped full-grown man salute that's getting my nod again this week. But uh, in all reality, congrats to the Cleveland Browns. First playoff appearance in years 2002 i believe 2002 so yes. congratulations to the cleveland browns for getting it done and putting themselves in the postseason where and the pittsburgh steelers will kick the hell out of them next week in the wild card round say, and the season will be over anyway but they hey, at least they so got how about, how about we just run it back next weekend yeah. right? put these two teams back <laughs> on the field we run it back next weekend uh -huh. and see what happens because that's exactly what it's going to be all right sean when you when we woke up on sunday we were mapping out the schedule doing the fab five was one of the games we, we were interested in because this game was going to have a direct impact on who was going to be rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles in Sunday night football. So the Cowboys take on the Giants. The Giants win this game 23-19. to And, Sean, the thing that sticks out to this game more than anything to me is I'm watching the game, and it's early in the first quarter, second quarter maybe, and there's just – Listen, these are two bad football teams. They're just mistakes aplenty, right? Everybody's just making careless errors. It's just mistakes all over the place. To which Troy Aikman went, man, you'd think in a game of this magnitude, these kinds of things would be cleaned up. To which I responded to the TV, Troy, have you looked at the records of these two teams? Have you seen what these two teams have done all year? This isn't surprising at all. This is exactly the way the NFC East has played football all year. It is the Giants who pick up a win, and today... Giants fans are specifically mad at Doug Peterson and the Philadelphia Eagles. We will get to that in a little bit. But Giants fans are angry, Sean, at Doug Peterson. The offensive line for the Cowboys got abused in the first half, and it put them in a hole, and they tried to dig out of it and had an opportunity late, deep in the red zone, late in the game, and weren't able to punch it in. And It, it really felt like two teams that uh, at the time had combined for 11 wins, now both 6-10, and 10, and sitting on the outside of the playoff picture. But... Um, the Dallas Cowboys had their opportunities. That outcome was very fitting, very fitting for the Dallas Cowboys season this year. But ultimately, Schubert, ultimately, the winner of this football game had no impact on the NFC playoffs because I believe the next game we're going to talk about. 
Yeah, let's get to it. The the Washington football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, it is a 20-14 win in your box score as Washington defeats Philadelphia. They will be the team representing the NFC East. But the thing, Sean, that everybody's talking about is the decision that Doug Peterson made in the fourth quarter of a one-score game to go away from Jalen Hurts, to go to Nate Sudfield. We both have thoughts on this. To, to the shock of nobody, we disagree on this, so this should be a fun little discussion. Sean, the floor is yours. I personally wouldn't have taken out my young quarterback, of which I'm trying to put him in situations just like this, trailing late, where he hasn't played well, to see who he is as a quarterback. I personally would not remove that guy. But if Doug Peterson's going to tell me that he made the decision for competitive purposes, he made the decision to try to win the football game, and he's looking at a quarterback that had gone 7 of 20 for 72 yards total, with no touchdowns and an, and an interception. And I understand he had made a couple plays with his legs, two touchdowns, but even that only equals 34 more yards, which means dude had 106 yards total offense when Doug Peterson decided to make the move to Sudfeld. I, I, I can see it both ways. I personally leave my young quarterback in because, hey, go fight through these situations. You're not playing well. We're not playing well. You're down late. Go see if you can make a play in crunch time. I personally don't pull him out, but you can't hate on a head coach for removing a quarterback who was 7 of 20 for 72 yards, no touchdowns and an interception against one of the better front sevens in football. I can't hate on him for that. Sorry, Giants fans. I mean, and what makes you think? Hey, listen, what you, makes you, you, six and what, you don't deserve what, to yell. What makes you think that he's going to get the job done any damn way when I just told you, dude had 106 yards of total offense in three quarters of football. Like, people are way overreacting on this story this morning. So here's my issue with it for a number of reasons. One, one Giants fans, you went 6-10. and 10. How about you win a couple more football games before you start to, to get in line and complain, okay? Right. Could you, could you put, put yourself in a position where you control your own fate even at 6-10. and 10. Control your own fate. You didn't do that. That's on you, right? There are teams all over uh, that, that miss the playoffs because they don't handle their business and they're rooting for somebody else who's much better than them that, 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 that doesn't take care of business. So please, don't give me that. Then the other thing I want to talk about here is, Sean, I would agree with you if this wasn't a preconceived thing. Going into the game, there was discussion about how Doug Peterson said, I want to get Nate Sudfield into this game. I want to get him some reps. The broadcast mentioned it, that in the production meeting, Doug Peterson told him, if I have an opportunity, I'm going to give Nate some snaps. That tells me it was not in the name of competitiveness. It was not in the name of we're trying to win the football game, right? It was a preconceived idea that this is what they were going to do, good, bad, or indifferent, no matter where this team stood going into the fourth quarter. Nate Sudfield was coming into this football game. Even more so, if your excuse is competitiveness and you think Nate, Nate Sudfield gives you a better chance to win, then why did you turn it over from Carson Wentz to Jalen Hurts in the first place? Why wasn't Nate the guy you went to first? It's just the logic on this doesn't make sense. Now, Doug Peterson solidified that number six pick. A win in that football game drops him all the way down to nine. So great job there, Doug. Fantastic mm -hmm. work on your part, keeping that sixth pick. By the way, he doesn't do this if he doesn't know his job is safe. So Doug Peterson will be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles next year. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but this move does not get made unless he knows he's the coach next year. So uh, Hurts no is issue. your quarterback next year. I mean, it's not going to be Carson Wentz. And it, don't kid yourself, but damn, Phil, it, damn sure is it going to be sub, Sudfeld. So Hertz is your quarterback next year. 
Peterson's your coach. Hurts is your quarterback. We run it back, and the Giants win the division next year. Uh, and then we go on from there. Hurts is your quarterback. You took him out of a one-score game late in the fourth quarter. The mm-hmm. Perfect time to evaluate your young rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. Great great coaching there, Doug. Uh, can we talk about one more game? It, it, it ultimately didn't matter as much, Sean, as we thought it might when the day started. But the Tennessee Titans-Houston Texans game was just a lot of fun. I know you were watching the Raiders play football. But boy, did this game in the second half and specifically the fourth quarter just become a back and forth up and down the field. Derrick Henry chasing down 2,000 yards. Deshaun Watson trying to end the season with a win. Field goals that get doinked in to end the football game. This just had everything you needed to end the season. Again, the Titans already had clinched a playoff spot by the time the game had kicked off. But hey, to close out Week 17, watching the, the second half of Red Zone, I was enjoying myself well, watching this football. Game. They didn't. They they had yet to close out the division, though, right? So they get a home playoff right, game now. Like that's that they were. That they that's were what they were at, playing yes. for. And and uh, yeah, I was keeping somewhat of an eye on this guy. I was watching the Arizona Cardinals in depth, and you know, I I get the red the, the Sunday ticket package. So during commercials, you flip it to the screen with all eight games, and you, you know, see what else is going on. I kept seeing one man's numbers go up and up and up, and they kept breaking into the Cardinals game, talking about. He's on the verge of 2,000 yards. Uh, what Derrick Henry did this year was nothing short of sensational. Uh, and and you and I were on the Sunday the Sunday live show that we do, Noble Live, on Sundays. Uh, you know, I threw out a stat right at the end. You always ask me for a final thought. And I said, keep an eye on Derrick Henry. He only needs 2,000 or 233 yards to reach 2,000 on the year. And I was kidding. Like, I was like, I was just kidding. Like, there's no way dude's getting 233 yards again today. I was right. Jokes on you, Sean. He ran for 250 yards yesterday and two touchdowns. Uh, so Derrick Henry finishes the season as just a monster uh, as he was all all season long. Um, Brown had 151 yards receiving and a touchdown on 10 receptions. He's a beast as well. This Titans team is set up, man. Um, the AFC playoffs are going to be a lot of fun. Let's just, let's just leave it at that. They're going to be an awful lot of fun. I think you could see upsets galore in this wild card round. And I don't even know if you call them upsets. Everybody in the everybody in the bracket on in the AFC side of the tournament's got 10 plus wins. So it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch and the Titans don't sleep on them. That's a good football team, especially in December when it's cold and you can give it to King Henry. Let's go Titans. I said to some friends, this is the year that multiple road teams win on mm-hmm. Wild Card Weekend just yep. because of how competitive and both no fans are. and no fans, no yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, this is the lowest winning this percentage. Is where you get the upsets. Yeah, like this. If I remember right, and I'm kind of going off the top of my head here, um, but if I remember right, this is the lowest home winning percentage since the '50s in the NFL, and it's because of the, the no fans. So if you ever if you ever feel like the atmosphere and the fans don't make a difference. Just look at that number. This is the lowest home winning percentage, I believe, since the 50s in the National Football League. That's going to do it for the not-so-rapid rundown here on a Monday. I think we did pretty well there, Sean. I'm happy with the effort we kept that we it put somewhat in start rapid. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think it was a good-faith attempt to keep it rapid. <laughs> Coming up next to wrap up this edition of Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone, it is the first Manscaped full grown man salute of 2021 and you will be shocked at the person that sean crespin picks we'll do it next year on no bull with chris crespin and simone but another shout out to earnhardt auto center is a proud partner of no bull with chris crespin and simone no bull.com no bull 
Bet.com is where you want to go and check out the No Bull Express option right now. Check out everything that you have the uh, the ability to do right there from your front door. Uh, test drive a vehicle brought to you. Finish the application right there. Bring the new ride to you. I tell you about it all the time. It's because it's amazing. Uh, no Bull Express option at NoBull.com. 19 different locations and 21 dealerships, but 17 brands. You can check out all 17 of those brands. They got you covered for that new vehicle you got your eye on at NoBull.com and experience the Earnhardt difference with the Noble Express option. You know it's a name you can trust. Earnhardt, 69-year commitment from their family to yours. Earnhardt Auto Centers and Noble.com. That ain't no bull. I have a very semantics-related question, but before we get into the Manscaped Fulcrum, what do you got? Salute. What do you got? When you do the when you do the no bull read on the show, it's uh-huh. a sixty-nine-year commitment since they've been doing it since nineteen fifty-one. Uh-huh. We've now we've now changed the calendar. So when does it become seventy years? Wow. We need to get we need to get to the bottom. That's of this. a good question. So, I will find out. I will find out for please. you. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. Everybody was thinking it while you were doing the read, so I wanted to just ask it out loud that we can get to the bottom. Thanks, of this. Chris. Okay. I appreciate that. I'll do with, some research. With that in thank you. With that in mind. It is time for the first Manscaped full-grown man salute of 2021. Thank you, Sean. Yes. It's an exciting time. And the sound you hear Sean, is both, both you... Schubert and I lifting up our Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0s yep. that we have in our hand yep. right now when we hand out our salutes from the weekend. You can get uh, your hands on a Lawnmower 3.0. Just go over to manscaped.com. Use the promo code NOBLE. 20% off and free shipping. So start the new year off right. Sean, you go first because I think this pick by you is going to absolutely flabbergast people. <laughs> Listen. Why don't you go for it's, it's history, the age. History it, being made here. Yeah, today. I think this is the third. This surpasses. Fourth, I think it's the Is fourth. it the fourth? Okay, this might be the fourth, the fourth time fourth. I've saluted this gentleman because he might just be the most full-grown man of anybody in the National Football League. It's a passing game, right? That's what they tell you in the NFL. you got to throw the ball to Not win. This guy. Not correct. It's incorrect. Derek Henry, for those of you watching the program, can see the graphic on the screen. 34 carries. you got to be a full-grown man to carry the ball 34 times in the NFL to begin with. And then to run it 250 yards, break and tackle, stiff-arming dudes, get off me. I'm Derrick Henry, don't touch the king. Two touchdowns, became just the eighth player in NFL history to eclipse 2,000 yards. He needed 233 going into the day. No way he gets there. Wrong. 250 yards on the day. Derrick Henry, we lift our Manscaped 3.0 lawnmowers and turn them on in salute to you as our full-grown man of the week for the fourth time this year, Derrick Henry. I don't even know why we shouldn't just stop. We should just stop the segment right now. There is no man that deserves the full-grown man salute more than Derrick Henry. How dare you? Because you've inspired me, Sean, because you mentioned there – Listen, when you when you run the ball thirty plus times, got to be a you just automatically mm-hmm. you automatically put yourself in the conversation to be a full grown man. Well, Sean, what if I told you that in this passing league that we have, there's another man who ran the ball thirty times yesterday, and he's Indianapolis running back Jonathan Taylor, thirty carries. I see your 250 yards, King Henry. I raise you 253 <laughs> yards for Jonathan Taylor, two touchdowns, and he sets. A Colts individual rushing game record dethroning Edger and James from all the way back in 2000, I believe is when the stat was. So in 20 plus years, Jonathan Taylor sets the single game individual rushing record by a player. So Jonathan Taylor, 
using all the criteria that Sean just listed, we give you a manscaped full-grown man. Salute. Two running backs that couldn't deserve it more. And Jonathan Combined Taylor. 64 carries, more than 500 yards and four touchdowns. Mm -hmm. The two guys that we put in the manscaped full-grown man. Salute. That's getting it done. And can we talk about, listen, I believe it was like week eight of the NFL season. And I, everybody was talking about MVPs way too early like we do in the media, right? We like to do that in week three. We crown Russell Wilson the MVP of the season. Uh, so everybody's talking about Russell Wilson. Everybody's talking about you know Aaron Rodgers. Everybody was talking about even Kyler Murray putting him into the conversation way too soon. And I kept saying, I kept, I kept going Lee Corso on you guys. Not so fast. There's a gentleman that belongs in the conversation. His name is Derrick Henry. And you all scoffed at me. And you laughed at me. That man went on to run for 2,000 yards this weekend uh, and should be in the conversation. No, though no, he, he won't be. He did not be. run for 2,000 yards just this weekend. That's I thought lot. he did. He, Every he time him. I looked at the screen, he was running downfield. <laughs> so it could have been 2,000 this week. It looked like it at times. But I'll tell you this. He should be in the conversation. And I'll give him one more. There we go. Just salute the man again. He should be in the conversation for sure. MVP. He's it in should, the conversation. It should be fourth. a quarterback award. It is every goddamn year in the NFL. Sorry, it's every. I'll have to cut that out. Every year in the NFL, it's, it's a, it feels like it's an it's a quarterback award. Give it to put the man in the conversation. Put some respect on his name. Sorry, Schubert, I got fired Again, up there. He'll, he'll finish like third <laughs> or fourth. He's in the conversation. Uh -huh. No, I agree with you. He should be. He should be getting more love. I just understand the reality of the situation, right? It's a it's a quarterback award. It just is, and uh, he's going to finish probably third or fourth. So mm -hmm. I apologize and thanks thanks for giving us some editing work to do in the in the, in the post show. <laughs> really appreciate that. All right, the podcast That's it doesn't matter. Do going to do it for the Monday edition of Noble with Chris Crespin and Simone. You can always follow the show on Twitter at Noble underscore podcast. We put a lot of social media content cl clips from the show. Uh, the debuting at some point Crespin related social media segment, which I think is debuting here in 2021. Hopefully the the uh, the shoe with Schubert will return. Simone sound offs uh, clips from the show, like I mentioned. So a lot of social content there at Noble underscore podcast. You can all also follow me on Twitter. At Shoe Radio, follow Sean at screspin 2 Follow Jordan Simone while you're at it, at Jordan Simone 38 That's going to do it for the Money Edition. We'll be back on Wednesday. Everybody have a great week.